0: For Mike Slater in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: America's the greatest country in the world. Thank you for being here. One more hour, is that it? How can that be? Um, appreciate you being here. I, I think this is an important segment. I, I hope I can, I can do a sufficient job uh, in explaining how this works, because if it clicks uh I, th- I think you'll start to see things in slow motion that's sort of the best way i can describe it it's it's you can sift through nonsense it's like in the matrix when he gets shot and the bullets coming at him he slow motion like or or in uh lord of the rings the second one the two towers when gandalf is going to uh, uh the king who's cursed theoden and uh, he's walking towards the king like that like gandalf his attention is solely focused on the king and then all the the enemies come at gandalf and gandalf's like and like knocks them all out and then all the guys around gandalf uh just take out all the distractions but gandalf never loses his focus on uh the the cursed king and by the way that's also my favorite line of the movie when gandalf says be silent Keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. I did not pass through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a witless worm. (laughs) It's a good line. Anyway, so I want to talk about how people make decisions or how people make opinions. And once you know this, again, I think a lot of things will click. So we talked a little bit about this back Thanksgiving about how to have a conversation with your progressive relatives over Thanksgiving. And one of the principles of that discussion was there's a big difference between winning a debate and trying to change someone's mind. Two totally different things. Very easy to win a debate. And and this is kind of inspired by the Ted Cruz, Bernie Sanders debate on CNN the other day. And I hope they do a lot more of these with different people. Um, but that one was very good, too but it's very different. Do I want to win this debate? Cause if I want to win the debate, then I could just talk louder, more confidently, more numbers, more facts and crush them with my wit and charm. Right. You can win, but are you going to change anyone's mind? It's a totally different thing. Okay. That's just background. Two principles that I want to talk about in detail and then solutions. First. Oh, this is from Jonathan hate, by the way, he's a psychologist by trade, uh, and and applies this to politics. Uh, so he outlines two principles of moral psychology. The first, intuitive premising. So this is the idea that all of our judgments, and I, I'll say almost all, but I mean like ninety nine point nine nine percent. So I'm just gonna say all. <laughs> all of our judgments are based on quick, gut, gut feeling, gut feeling, gut emotions, gut responses. This is truly how we make most decisions. It's like that. And we've talked before about studies that are done that literally in a blink of an eye, you make judgments about people. It's just how it works. And the gut feeling is based off of anything from how you're feeling that day to past experiences you've had or whatever. I mean, there's a myriad of things that can cause you to have the gut reaction. But the important thing is that the gut reaction is, is that's your first initial boom. And it's that fast. Okay. That's point one. Oh, and I guess the side of that is it's gut reaction as opposed to being encountered with something stopping, uh, uh, you know, listening, Interpreting, uh, using logic, reason, like, no, 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 gut reaction. Second thing, if you are inclined to agree with something, you ask yourself, can I believe it? If you are inclined to not believe something or not agree with something, then you ask, must I believe it? All right, Slater, so what, what do you mean? Um, let me give an education one first, and then I'll give you a healthcare example. Because this one happened on my local show just the other day. We were talking about Betsy DeVos, the new education secretary. A teacher called in. Gave me all the teacher, teacher's union talking points about why Betsy DeVos is a horrible person. She's unqualified. She wants to bring Christianity into the school. She wants to privatize education, and she hates the children. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Now, he, so I'm just, his name was Carl. So I'm just going to walk through Carl, Carl. First, first, first step, intuitive premise, Carl uh, is surrounded by teachers, union union teachers, right? He hears the union a lot. He's in that world. That's it's where he lives. Right? Big union teacher guy. So his knee jerk reaction about Betsy DeVos is bad. Probably hates Trump hears the union say she's unqualified runs with it that's it done there's your intuitive premise, there's your knee-jerk gut reaction about betsy dubal she's bad now he was explaining to me why she's bad and the first his first thing was she's against kids with special needs okay now this comes from the i uh she was in her hearing and uh she was asked about the idea act the idea act is the individuals with disabilities education act And she didn't know what it was offhand. Okay. So people who don't like her took that and made the giant leap that she hates kids with special needs or whatever. Right? When I guarantee you, if after the (laughs) hearing you went, Hey Betsy, you know, the uh, individuals with disabilities education act, that's the act that says that kids with disabilities are to be put in the classroom at the highest level that they're capable of to be immersed with kids who don't have special needs. You know, that's what that is, right? She'd say, Oh, oh, yeah. Like, well, of course, I agree with that. Why Why would they even ask me? Like, what Like that, that makes perfect. It was passed in 1990. She probably didn't know what it was because, like, who like, who, who? like, it's it's so obvious now. It's not even not even a controversial thing. It's like when Mitt Romney was asked in the presidential debate if he agrees with states taking away birth control. He was like, what? Like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> why would you even ask me that? Um, It's like, well, yeah, of course, I agree. So she was just cut off guard, but they take this huge leap, right? Okay, okay. So Carl brought that up and I said, Carl, do you really believe that she doesn't want kids with special needs to get an education? And then he wanted this whole thing about how, yes, she doesn't. I said, no, stop. Stop. Carl. You think if you had a conversation with Betsy DeVos, just you at the, at the table, you and Betsy, and you said, Betsy, what do you think about kids with special needs? you really think she would say what? They, they don't belong. They blah, blah, blah. Like, like all these, you really think that? And he kept going with his union stuff. Okay, here's why he did this. First gut reaction. I don't like Betsy Duvall, She's bad. Because he's inclined to not support her, the question he asked himself was, must I agree with her? Must I believe her? And all he needed to do was find one piece of evidence one piece of evidence that said no. And he needed to do that to confirm his previous knee-jerk reaction. So he had the knee-jerk opinion that's set now because it's a he's against he's a knee-jerk against Betsy. Now he says, must I agree with her? Must I support her? And oh, here's one reason why I mustn't. Done. End of story. As opposed to Carl, can you maybe keep an open mind about Betsy DeVos and on on this topic? No, he wasn't asking, can I support her? Because he was already inclined to not. So he wasn't asking, can I support her? He was asking, must I support her? And the answer was no. Now, if someone is inclined to like Betsy DeVos, let's say you like Donald Trump and you like Betsy DeVos, then you are going to say, can I support her? And you're going to look for one reason why you can. And that's going to be satisfactory for you. That's how most people, that's how how this works. If you're inclined to, Because of your knee-jerk reaction to support, you ask, can I support? If you're inclined to not support, then you ask, must I support? Okay, give me another example. Uh, Let's do a healthcare one. Obamacare. If you you want, hmm, how do I start here? If you are inclined to support universal healthcare, let's say you had an experience with medical issues in the past and you're inclined to like it. When Bernie Sanders says universal healthcare, you're like, yes, that's good. You're quick to accept it. If that, if that was your initial knee jerk reaction, then in 2008, when Obamacare was proposed and Barack Obama made all of his promises, all you said was, can I believe him? And you found one reason to believe him. And then you ran with that. And that was it. If you did not like Barack Obama, then you heard all of his promises and you heard the proposal and then all you asked yourself was, must I believe him? And you found one reason why you shouldn't and that was all you needed to not. This is how it works for us. This is how it works for everyone. I'll give you another example. Immigration, Trump's executive order about immigration, visas and refugees. A progressive is inclined to not support it. So they ask themselves, must I support it? Must I believe that there are refugees who want to come to America to cause us harm? And they say, no, no. Because here's a refugee who came to America who doesn't want to cause us harm. Boom, that's all they need. They've confirmed their initial opinion that this is bad. But someone who is inclined to support Trump's executive order, they ask, can I support it? Can I believe that there's a refugee who wants to cause us harm? And they say, yes, I can believe it because here's an Iraqi refugee in Bowling Green, who 2009 came to America from Iraq, who then went to go join ISIS. So, yes, I can believe what Donald Trump said. I mean, I think that's probably maybe the clearest example. If you're inclined to like Trump's executive order, then you find one reason why you can't support it. If you're inclined to hate it, then you find one reason why you don't want to support it. And you cling to that. Bernie Sanders at the debate the other day says, Universal health care, if you like that, then all you say is, can I believe what he said? Can I believe that healthcare is terrible here and the only solution is uh, socialized medicine or else everyone dies? Yes, I can believe that. And then the guy that you don't like, Ted Cruz speaks, and he gives facts. All that person says, must I believe him? Must I believe Ted Cruz when he gives an example of how uh, government-run medicine in in England results in 85-day wait for knee surgery replacement? Must I believe him? Well, no, because, well, I I can't prove that it's true, so it's probably false. Done, I'm out. He's wrong. This is how we think. So real quick, I'll give you the last cliff notes. If you are inclined to believe something, all you look for is, can I believe this? One piece of evidence. If you are inclined to not believe something, then all you ask is, must I believe this? And we look for one piece of evidence that is false, so we don't believe it. And we do this to match our instinct, to match our initial gut reaction on a particular issue. This is why changing hearts and minds is so difficult. Because people ask different questions as you're speaking. I want to take a break here. I'll come back and I'll I'll, I'll talk about how we can use this. Now that we know this is how our brains work, what do we do with it? How does it change how we listen and how we think and how we talk? We'll do that next. Mike Slater. So the blaze radio network spread the word.
0: You're listening to Mike Slater on the blaze radio network.
1: Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak.
0: Later on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: All right. So, how does what we just talked about change how we should talk to people? Again, if someone is not inclined to agree with you, like if you're talking with a progressive and they, they don't want to agree with you, that that's that you got to understand people's posture. No one wants to disagree with themselves. <laughs> they don't want to agree with you if they're not inclined to. So, just know when you're talking to them that they're only asking themselves why they must not agree with what you're saying. They're looking for reasons and everything you say, they're looking for reasons why you are wrong. They're not actually listening. They by definition, we all do this, but they by definition have a closed mind. So be patient. I think that's it. I think just lower your expectations. Don't stress about convincing this person in one fell swoop because they don't want to be convinced. They don't, there's no such thing. It's impossible to convince someone in one fell swoop like that. It's almost impossible because they're looking for the one littlest tiny thing that proves you're wrong because all they're asking themselves is must I agree with him and they want to say no. So you could say a hundred things that are true, but one thing that's maybe possibly not or even hard to prove. And they're just going to grab onto that one thing to prove you wrong completely. Because that's the that's the posture they have moving forward. Just, just know that and just go with it. I mean, still try and and you know chip away at it. But just know it's not going to happen in one fell swoop. So what I do is, is as I ask, I say, "Do you want to believe what I'm saying?" All right. We're having a conversation, and clearly they're getting defensive because they don't want to they don't want to agree with me. They want to agree with themselves. So so I just say, "Do you want to believe what I'm saying?" And they'll say no. If they're honest, they'll say no. And then their closed mind will be exposed and then you just go from there. Second, when you hear people on TV talking over each other, just talking past each other, you can see why now. Each person is only looking to agree with themselves. No one's really listening. They just want to agree with themselves. And that's all most people want. They form an opinion and then they perfect and polish it. That's it. Excuse me. Protect and polish it. They form an opinion and then protect and polish it. They want to agree with their initial opinion. So ask someone, where did you get your initial opinion about this person? Like, where did it come from? And they'll say, well, I don't like Betsy DeVos because... No, 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 that's not what I asked. I, I didn't ask why you don't like her. I want to know where it came from. Where did your initial dislike of her come from? How did you form your initial opinion? Because here's what's true about This is what's crazy. No one... Betsy DeVos. Okay, how many people heard of Betsy DeVos when she was nominated to Secretary of Education. Like, if you're outside of Michigan, no one. No one outside of Michigan's ever heard of Betsy DeVos. Ever, 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 ever. So when she was proposed, half the country liked her, half the country didn't. They didn't know anything about her. I didn't know anything about her. But I was inclined to find reasons why I liked her. Because, you know, support Trump, right? I'm inclined. I'm like, oh, oh, she likes this. Good. But people, so other people are like, oh, I don't like her. Well, how do you, what do you mean? And then they were looking for reasons to not like her. But like, go back to the beginning. Where did you not like her? What, like, wh- where did they come from? And then if you can dig away at that and discover that, or it's not you discovering, it's really them discovering it themselves, then you can start to uh, have a real conversation about why they feel this way. But find out where it comes from first. I'll give you an example. Um, there's a, a, a story in Greek mythology, which is a weird one, uh, Procrustes, So Procrustes is the son of Poseidon, and he sets up shop in between two towns. And as tired travelers walk by, he promises them the perfect bed to spend the night in. Oh, the absolute perfect bed. It fits you perfectly. So come on in, spend the best night of your life on this bed. And the travelers would take it because they're so tired. And if the bed was too short, if the bed was, excuse me, sorry, if if they were too short, then he would tie them down and stretch them out to fit the exact size of the bed. If they were too tall, then he would cut them down. He'd cut their legs off so that they fit the bed perfectly. Now, I honestly have no idea why he did this. I don't know his motivation. Sounds like something out of a horror movie, but uh, this is why there's a word called Procrustean. It is Procrustean when you, when you try to fit something into a pre-designed something else. So you have a thesis, that's the bed. And then you take the evidence and you stretch it to make it fit the bed, or you cut it down to make it fit the bed. That's Procrustean. This happens all the time. I'll give you an example of this next. I got to take a break, but I'm also saying this happens in our brains all the time. We have the bed, what we believe, and we either stretch the evidence or cut it down, leave things out in order for our brains to fit that bed perfectly. And that bed is just made that quickly. Betsy DeVos has been nominated Secretary of Education. Don't like her. Whoa, whoa, What do you mean, what do you mean don't like her? Betsy DeVos has been nominated Secretary of Education. Oh, great pick. What do you mean? That's how quickly we form our opinions. Isn't that wild? I'll give you an example of this Procrustean uh, effort when it comes to global warming. It's a classic example of it. We'll do it next. Any questions? one 888 900 or Slater Radio on, uh, on Twitter. Mike Slater. So the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: This is Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Later, slider crusaders. I'll give me an example of this uh, Procrustean effort again. Procrustes, Greek mythology. I uh, say, hey, weary traveler, sit in my bed. It's the perfect size for you. And then they would sit down. If they were too short, he would stretch them out. And then if they were too tall, he would cut them down to size so that they fit the bed. I don't know why he would do this, <laughs> but, but if there's any Greek mythology experts that know a little more about the story, uh, that'd be nice. I really don't know what the motivation or point of that is. But um, so we get the word Procrustean from this. So this is when you have a thesis an opinion and then you manipulate the data or or your perspective on things or the facts you and you you stretch let's just say the data to fit the thesis or you cut it down you ignore things in order to fit your thesis or original opinion that is procrustean so global warming is the perfect example of this so i want to combine uh, procrustean thinking with with the last two segments about our human psychology so the bed is the is the conclusion that the planet is warming? The planet is warming. That is the established fact. The travelers, the weary travelers, the data. So the data is either stretched to fit the theory, the th- the, the conclusion, or it's cut down, ignored. Some of it's ignored to fit the uh, to fit the theory. So Dr. Bates is now a former NOAA. Scientist, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration scientist. He's a whistleblower. And he accused the author of a study of lying in a, quote, blatant attempt to intensify the impact of the study just before some big global warming conference. So there's a big global warming conference. And well, here, so back it up again. There are some people saying that there was a pause in the rise of global temperatures. So global temperatures going up for a decade and then for uh, well, from 1998 to 2012, 14 years, they didn't go up. Temperatures stayed the same. And then uh, like, well, now, like, what's that like? Because CO2 went up those 14 years, but temperatures didn't go up. So what are we doing? So that data did not fit the conclusion. So what did the NOAA do? Because there was a big global warming conference coming up and they wanted to come something they wanted to have something that could be, you know, make a bang. There's I'm doing this, this is really rudimentary, but this is the basic idea. There's two main types of temperature gathering, you have sea surface temperature, where you have a buoy in the water with a thermometer, or you have ship based data, which is taken on the surface of a ship. Ship temperatures are always warmer. The problem is, so, so what you do is you take one or the other. Okay, so, so that's not true. You take the water-based, the sea surface temperature whenever possible. If you don't have a buoy, then you take ship-based data. That's like the backup data. But you always take the sea surface temperature. That's always going to be more accurate. The problem is the NOAA, or this whistleblower, is, is saying that they took good data from the buoys and replaced it with bad data from the ships, which was warmer. So the sea surface temperatures showed a colder temperature. And that didn't fit their conclusion. So they, they got rid of it and only took the ship-based temperature, which was warmer. And they did that so that they could get to the conclusion they wanted, which was there is no slowing of The temperature temperatures always go up, and they've always gone up, and there was no pause. They wanted to make that conclusion, so they manipulated the data to get there. That's Procrustian. And not only that, but they never archived any material. They never archived the data, and obviously that's against the NOAA rules and every single standard of science. So see how that's Procrustian. Now, let's bring the last half hour into this. Can I believe it versus must I believe it? Remember, if you are inclined to agree with something, you ask, can I believe it? And you find one thing and you run with it. If you are inclined to not agree with something, then you ask, must I believe it? And you find one reason why not, and you run with that. So if you are inclined to, let's say you, let's say you fancy yourself an environmentalist, you love the planet, and you are inclined to believe scientists who say that uh, we are destroying the earth and it's warming and it's catastrophic, all you ask yourself, is can I believe it? Can I believe that that's true? I form my initial judgment. This is what I think. Can I believe that I'm right? And you say, yes, I can. Here's a study that says the Earth's warming. Done. You've proven my gut reaction to be true. And that's all you need to be satisfied. No further investigation or research necessary. If you are not inclined to believe in global warming for a number of reasons, all you ask is must I believe it? You're looking for a reason not to. And here's one nice reason that a scientist has lied and manipulated the data to come to a conclusion that he wanted to come to. So, no, you must not believe global warming. You don't have to believe in global warming because look at what the scientist did. Now, I would like to note, uh, neither of these approaches is is complete or right. right? I'm not saying anyone's good or, or bad. I'm just saying this is how it works the proper way. And no one does this. I don't do this. I'm not, I'm not doing a holier than thou thing. Like I don't do this. Um, like the example I gave a second ago with Betsy DeVos, when Betsy DeVos came across the wires as she was the nominee, my first thought was, Oh, good. Why? And I've never heard of her in my whole life, but I just assumed it was a good choice. Cause I liked all other Trump's picks. I thought all, she's the weakest of all of his cabinet picks, but that's not an insult to her because all of his other cabinet picks are phenomenal. Right? So I'm just like, Oh yeah, Betsy DeVos. Great. I didn't keep an open mind about it. I wasn't, I didn't come at it as you should with everything, which is forming no initial opinion, no opinion. And then bringing in facts. And as the facts are coming in, you don't even make an opinion. You don't even go one way or the other. You just bring them all in. And then at a certain point you weigh it and then come to the, But that's how you're supposed to do it. But no one does that. I don't do it. So if you do that with global warming, then you you come to a conclusion that's something like it's not, yes, global warming. Oh, my gosh, it's horrible or no such thing. It's not. It's neither of those. It's something more like, uh, yeah, the Earth's warming in certain places. Uh, It's a natural cycle. Humans have almost nothing to do with it. And even if the Earth is warming, it's not that big a deal like it's not super catastrophic like everyone's making it out to be like that like that that's the more sensible reasonable measured conclusion but people don't want to do that because you got to have logic to come to that nuanced stance our brains don't like that our brains don't like it our brains have to agree with our initial judgment which is yes it's real and it's horrible or no it doesn't exist it's a lie or it's, it's got to be one of those two so anything more nuanced, which is like, well, yeah, the temperature is warming, but it's not that big a deal. It's not catastrophic and it's a natural cycle and there's really nothing we can do about it. Uh, but we should be good stewards of the planet. Like, like that, that's not, like, we don't think that way. 1-888-933-93. I hope that was somewhat uh, helpful. If I can go back, Here, here's, if you're, two, two tips. As you're talking with someone just of, of a different opinion, just know that they don't want to agree with you. So ask them. Do you want to believe what I'm saying? And they'll say no. And then they are they have exposed themselves. They they not for your sake or anyone else's sake, but for their sake. They know now that they don't really want to believe with you. They've said it out loud. And they'll say to themselves, Oh, geez, like it's pretty bad. <laughs> like I'm I'm having a debate and I don't even want to, to listen to this person. So you can just end it right there if you want. But at least they know. They walk away knowing that they don't want to have an open mind. And it's true for you, too. You can ask it about yourself. Do I want to believe what that person's saying? No. We don't. But ask that to the other person. Um, Second thing is, ask them where they got their initial judgment from. And they'll say, well, I don't like Betsy DeVos because, or I want universal health care because, or uh, I think global, the earth is warming because. It's like, no, no, I don't want to know why. I want to go before that. Where? Where did you get this initial opinion the initial opinion before you read this most re- this is, this is it. before you read the most recent study that proves your previous opinion before that go way back to the very first time you've ever heard about global warming <coughs> where did that come from and why were you inclined to believe it because that's the root of it all and if you can get someone to get back to the beginning it's the only hope you're going to have of uh Maybe bringing him on a different path. One eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: Mike Slater
2: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Eight nine hundred Mike Slater is on.
2: Slater Crusaders loving the responses from uh, two of the stories that we shared today on the show. I put them both on Facebook. One about Ulysses S. Grant. One about Charles Lindbergh. Um, I, I, I end both of them with "What's the moral to you?" Because I'm sure there's many morals to the story. Please check that out. Search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. I love your responses. All right, I got a few minutes. We'll end with this. The uh, a quote I read the other day. All this Huxley he wrote, uh, "Brave New World." 1930s he said most of one's life most of your life is a prolonged effort to prevent yourself from thinking people intoxicate themselves with work so they won't see how they really are most of one's life is a prolonged effort to prevent yourself from thinking people intoxicate themselves with work so they won't see how they really are. Um, I came across something the other day, and we're gonna talk a lot more about it next week. It's called the narcotizing, it's called narcotizing dysfunction. So the idea here is that because you and we all today just consume so much information. Which is which constantly, just with a barrage of information, non Just see the Super Bowl commercial, no one paid attention to it. I don't even remember if it was that funny, but uh it was the GoDaddy commercial. And it was like the guy was living in the internet, whatever that even means. But when he woke up, see if you watch the commercial again, he wakes up. And then as soon as he opens his eyes, mail starts f- shooting through his window into his face. <laughs> right? Because that's what we do. Like how many people listening now? Be honest. First thing you do when you wake up, you roll over, check your phone, check your mail and see what's going on like in the news. Check Fox News or uh, Drudge or whatever. Like, Right when you wake up. Which constant barrage. But the problem is our brains confuse knowing about something with actually doing something about it. We we don't we don't we're not good at making a distinction between knowing about something and doing something about it. And we think that because we know about a problem, like our conscience is clear. Because it's the same as doing something about it, but it's not. (laughs) <laughs> we didn't actually do anything, but we feel good about ourselves because we know about it. On my local show last few days, um, because in San Diego as the country's largest Chaldean population. Those are Christians in Iraq. And we've been talking about the Christian refugees stuck in Syria. And and no one knows. No one, no one knows. Like no one cares. It's, you know, the Obama administration declared this an official genocide. Christians in the Middle East is a genocide going on. And the reason we're not bringing in any Christian refugees from the Middle East is because the Christians can't go to the U.N. refugee camps because they're full of Muslims who discriminate against the Christians. So the Christians stuck over there. And, you know, I'm learning more about this. And, and I, I have like this brief thought in my mind of like, wow, we should do something about that. And then I go on in my life because my brain confuses doing something about it and being like, oh, that's sad with, well, it's the same as doing as fixing or, or, or helping. It's not. Knowing about it is not the same as doing something about it. But our brains don't make that distinction most of the time. That's called the narcotizing dysfunction. It's because we bring in so much information. By the way, Mercury One does an incredible job with Christian refugees, obviously. Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck has made the distinction between knowing about it and then continued on to actually do something about it. Most people don't do that. So it's weird that this narcotizing dysfunction, you would think if you take, a, if you take someone who doesn't know anything and then someone who's constantly informed, You would think the informed person would do more, but it's not true. Sometimes the more informed person does less because they're too busy just consuming all the time. Ryan Holiday, he said, it's a trade-off of deliberate ignorance for the ability to prioritize and see with clarity. It's a swap of generalized outrage for what will hopefully be effective opposition to trends that really matter. There's plenty to do in the world and plenty to be vigilant about, but let's stop pretending that the ticker tape of the news feed is anything other than what it is. It's addiction and manipulation masquerading as social good. And then we wonder why we're sapped of reason and willpower and perspective. What's he talking about? He's talking about unplugging. And and I know this is a weird thing to say, but I, Try for a week. Don't watch cable news. Just don't do it. The Blaze is different. The Blaze doesn't have the constant barrage. It's just like we used to have a 24-hour news cycle used to. I mean, the last few years, it's been a 24-hour news cycle. And now it's like a three-minute news cycle. It's just an outrage, 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 outrage. I was like, oh, my gosh. And we just consume it all. Stop. Stop. Stop watching it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I beg of you. You're addicted to it. I'm addicted to it. Get off it. Epictetus, Greek philosopher, 2,000 years ago, he said, if you wish to improve your life, your soul, everything about you, if you wish to improve, be content to appear clueless or stupid in extraneous matters. Hey, have you heard the new Lady Gaga song? No. (laughs) It's okay to appear clueless or stupid because we have this drive to, like, to know as much as everyone and be as informed and be up on the latest. And bu- bu- no, don't Now, Obviously what's extraneous. Uh, I would say 99% of things on cable news. Most of the news stories are not worth tracking or following or obsessing over check out. And I guarantee you, if you do that for a while, you'll start to prioritize what's important and you'll actually do more. You'll be more effective in the things that actually matter narcotizing dysfunction Slater Crusaders it's been awesome search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook we'll hang out all week and we'll see you next Saturday spread the word you're
0: listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network